Stay tuned now for the Ecology Hour. Hi, welcome to the Ecology Hour. I'm Margo Frank and I'm the uh, guest host tonight that we're doing in connection with an art show at the Corner Gallery located at the corner of South State Street and Church Street in Ukiah during the month of June called Reclaimed. And it features artists Laura Fogg, Betty Lacey, Roxy Sachs, Morris, and myself, Margo Frank. And through these radio programs, we hope to have a broader impact than a single art show could possibly have. We'll look at the issue of climate change, plastic waste, and how each of us can be agents of transformation by doing small things that make a difference. All of the art in the Reclaimed show is created from cast off and reclaimed materials, especially plastic. And we hope these works will get you thinking and spark conversations linking art to environmental and climate action. So you'll be inspired to take some steps that make a difference. Next week on April 27th, John Azaro will speak with Mary Crowley of the Ocean Voyages Institute about the gyre in the Pacific Ocean. And then on May 18th, the four artists participating in the Reclaimed Art Show will talk about using art for environmental action. Tonight's program I want to dedicate to Earth Day. So while we're celebrating the conviction of Derek Chauvin and remembering that climate action, climate justice, environmental justice is intrinsically tied with social justice. Um, so this week we're celebrating Earth Day. And we're going to start tonight's program with a pre-recorded conversation that I had two weeks ago with Steve Zweibach, and then we'll open it up for calls during the last 20 minutes or so. And hopefully, um, Steve or Shauna Rourke from Cold Creek Compost and Heather Guevara from Zero Waste Mendocino and other people who are uh, community climate activists will be calling in to share more information. And now, my conversation with Steve Zwadak. <laughs> excited that we have this chance to have this conversation on Ecology Hour. Uh, I'd like to just share a few things about kind of what we hope to accomplish in our time together, and then we're just going to have a conversation. So um, I think the first and foremost thing that you and I both agree is we really want to move people to action, not so much just sharing more information about what's happening with climate change and global warming, but really provide opportunities for people to know what's happening locally, uh, things that they can do individually in their families and so forth. Um, also, to provide some hope, because as you and I both have discussed prior, a lot, a lot of people feel pretty hopeless about what, what they can do, that if their actions won't make a difference. And in fact, I think it, they can. And there's things happening around the world, as, as most of us know, uh, in every country of the world, just about po very positive things, you know, counterbalancing some of the really hard negative things. And, and there's, uh, if, if people look in the work of Project Drawdown, as an example, all, this, all the technical solutions already exist that we need. And uh, we just need to accelerate the progress of those and and go to scale and so that's an exciting thing to realize i know for my part i'm a lay person um and so i don't claim to be a scientist certainly not a climate scientist and so i i hope to you know i think you and i both probably agree we just want to work with people in our community lay people and let people know what they can do and uh and that their actions make a difference. So that's, we're gonna tell our personal stories and I'm gonna ask you 
about your story in just a minute about how you got involved. And uh, we're going to share what we do individually. And you're going to share about uh, some of the things that are happening locally, statewide, and, and on a national scale. And there'll be time at the end of this conversation for people to call in and ask questions. So, Margo, how, how do you, you know, we know each other, but not in this context. <laughs> um, we've had like one conversation prior to this 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 conversation is being inter- it's being taped uh but what uh how did you get involved in this work well thanks for asking steve you know like you i am not a scientist i'm not a policy wonk i've never been an environmental activist i mean i've been tuned into that but i wouldn't say that's where my activism was um but Just about exactly six years ago, I went to a workshop uh, using Joanna Macy's Work That Reconnects process, and which was a powerful process and an opportunity to grieve all that's happening, but it's also very focused on moving towards action. And I, at that um, workshop, I learned about an organization that was just beginning to form called Elders Climate Action. And there were a lot of different organizations and groups I heard about, and I just, I I wasn't sure where I was going to focus my action work, my activism, but the uh, small group of people with Elders Climate Action just kind of pulled me right in. (laughs) And uh, they said, well, you know, what can you do to help us? And I thought, I don't know what I can do. I, I don't know anything about this, but hopefully I could inspire other people to take action. So I got involved in the early days of ECA, and I've been part of the national leadership team ever since then. And the main reason I got involved was because I was, I'm a grandmother, and at that point, my grandkids were, what, uh, a newborn, or no, just a two-year-old and a five-year-old, something like that. And I thought, Oh, what a what a terrible world I'm leaving them. I have a lot of I, I struggle a lot with hopelessness. And I thought I want to be able when they say to me, Well, grandma, why'd you leave me such a mess? I wanted to be able to say to them, I did everything I could. I've really done everything I could figure out to do and and that I was capable of doing. And so um That's what drove me. And, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't sure if ECA was really the right organization for me to be involved in, you know, just like people can be very picky about, oh, is this the right faith community for me? It's not quite right, the right fit. It's, you know, and I, and I, and then I just thought it doesn't matter what I do and where I do it. I just have to do something. And then I realized that in taking action, that was the best antidote for my hopelessness. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that last statement is so powerful. I, I think that's part of my story, too, and what I, can, I continually hear from people around the country and the world that I talk to is that one of the best things that somebody can do is to get involved and you feel much better. And obviously, there's all kinds of scales of things, of, of ways we can get involved, in, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. I'm curious about your story, Steve, because I know this um, is a fairly new focus for you. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, uh, well, I've always been involved, I've always been passionate about nature and the environment. Uh, I mean, I have a master's degree in, in environmental health and, and ecology, but that's like a distant <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but it definitely goes back a long ways. Uh, uh, but I, I live here in Mendocino County since 1981 with my wife, Joyce Patterson, who a lot of people know. Um, I, I recently got interested, as you're saying. I, in January, I was diagnosed with a pretty serious life-threatening illness, and um I kind of, you being a therapist, you can appreciate I went seriously into a questioning purpose of life and all of that. And then I was fortunate enough to see uh, David Attenborough's documentary, A Life on Our Planet. 
And it was like, Margaret was like a switch went off in my, my being, you know, at the deepest core. Mm. And that switch was, I, I could get involved in this issue. It's, it was already a passion. But like you said, you know, we can't just stand, stand aside and be hopeless. I felt like his film, his documentary, combined with my background in uh, management consulting and leadership development, working with the public for years and years around the world, um, that I could use that as a conversation tool mm-hmm. and engage small groups of people in conversations about, about the issues, uh, but most importantly, about what people can do. And I, I don't claim to have the answers, but it's amazing in these conversations, all the ideas that people have and how they started to connect with the, with each other, new ideas and different ideas. And so, um, so my passion was inspired by this illness that, you know, I, I can't do anything really except sit in my chair at home, write, um, talk to people around the world that I know I've had a wonderful career of being involved with corporations around the world as well as an educational sphere. And so I've used all those contacts to open up these conversations. And uh, I kind of feel that it's going to sound a bit corny, but what's happening with the planet is what's happening with my health is like a metaphor for what's happening with the planet. And, uh, you know, it, it does need a lot of help and, and, um, and we need to allow it to regenerate itself just, and I feel like the more I'm doing this work, Margot, like you, you're saying it's regenerating me, at least my spirit. And I feel very inspired and, uh, and I'm, you know, it's like, here we are today. I'm meeting people we knew of each other, but again, not like I have a feeling we're going to get to know each other. So that's, that's a little bit of, of my story. I feel inspired listening to you. <laughs> well, we, hopefully we're inspiring each other and other people as well. Yeah, I hope so. I hope people are listening tonight. We're on the Ecology Hour here on KZYX and yeah. Z. And so I hope people are listening in and... Um, We'll call in later with some questions yeah. when, when we go live with that. Yeah, what, um, tell us, Margo, um, you've told me a little bit, but I probably don't know as much as I could. And I'm sure everybody listening would be very interested to know what is happening in Mendocino County or Ukiah or various levels. Can you, can you like? Not, there's, there is a lot happening now. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, I think it's indicative of, uh, how climate change and climate action has risen to the forefront in the news, in people's consciousness all over the world. And that's true here in Mendocino County. Um, a little over three years ago, Eileen Mitro and I um, and a few other people started to organize a group focused on climate action in Mendocino County. We uh, came out of a uh, an environmental action group um, that came out of some indivisible meetings um, at the beginning of 2017. And um, then a year later, we broke off and focused on climate action. And um, that group uh, continues to meet every month. We meet via Zoom on the second Saturday of every month from 12 to 2. And um, people who are interested in finding out about us can email um, climateactionmendocino at gmail.com, climateactionmendocino at gmail.com, and find out about the meeting, get the Zoom link, and um, see about getting more involved with us. We're basically a group uh, who focus on actions that people who, who get involved are passionate about. So if somebody's got an idea and other people want to join them in that project, then that's what happens. Um, we've done a number of things over the last few years. We organized um, uh, work parties to um, deal with 
weeds at Todd Grove Park so that the city would stop spraying glyphosates there. And then uh, I met with the city. We spoke up at the city council meeting in Ukiah about that. We met with city people and worked collaboratively with them. And now the city of Ukiah does not use glyphosates in any of the city parks. So that was a great accomplishment. Some of the people in our group uh, developed a lesson plan and went into some third grade classrooms to talk about climate change. And um, our group was one of the key um, participants in create in, in going to the board of supervisors and asking them to create the Mendocino County Climate Action Advisory Committee, which has been meeting for about a year now. Um, things got started slowly and what with the pandemic. Um, and but they are bringing you know they're working on bringing some recommendations to the board of supervisors now they have pretty basically no funding and they don't have any uh power per se um but they um it was an important step for the county to take in creating that and some of the people who are on that come to our meetings also um, some some people in our group have been promoting a no idling initiative, especially, of course, during the pandemic time, everything is different. But when parents pick up kids at schools and there's long lines of cars of idling for parents picking up their children and spewing greenhouse gases and pollution right at the level of those small children, um people so there's an initiative on that and uh people in our group have been spearheading a project called keep the lights on ukiah that would hopefully um create a solar a large solar array that could be used to power essential services and emergency services in the in case of power shutdowns so those are some of the things that the local group has been working on um, also, we are in the region of Elders Climate Action NorCal chapter. Most of the people in that group are who are really active are in the Bay Area, but um, we are part part of that territory, that region. And then on the coast, there is a little cli- Elders Climate Action group that um, on Fridays shows up on Maine and Laurel, I think, with signs and an inflatable globe. And um, maybe is it Maine? Yeah, the Main Street that goes through Fort Bragg. Um, when tourists are coming through on Friday after at around noon. And um, so they're at this point, that's all they're doing because of the pandemic also. But they can be outside and masked together. So those are a few things that are happening locally. Um, I know, Steve, you have really put some uh, effort into researching and and taking action just as an individual in, in your home, in your household, um, some things that people could do that maybe you want to talk about some of those things. I'd be happy to. Um, but I also, it's interesting, I was thinking about, you know, what is happening locally, and it's good to know about what you're sharing and probably most of the people on the Ecology Hour are familiar with uh, Redwood Forest Foundation. That That's a local, it's not a project, it's it's more than that. It's been going on for probably 30 years. And it's probably the best kept secret, but in terms of it's 50,000 acres of, of land, it's a community forest, um, which is a, is a novel concept. It's very innovative in biochar which is you know important for uh reducing carbon um carbon sequestration credits in the fifty thousand acres of land uh so that's that's something that's been happening for a long long time and can definitely use our support and the other thing that i thought about probably i shouldn't do name dropping but you know paul dolan uh, he's he's a gem and both in this region, let alone our county. And, you know, he's a pioneer in biodynamics and now in regenerative farming practices in in his vineyards. And uh, it's very, very worthwhile to understand what he's doing and other people in our local agricultural industry 
especially in viticulture, um, it's, it's one of the major directions that we need to go towards planetary-wise. And he's doing it, and he's an incredible resource here locally. Um, in terms of what, you know, I started off probably like a lot of people. I did, I did, and I did, and I'm doing all the easy things, right? You know, you switch your light bulbs to all LEDs, which we were mostly there already. Um, we reduced our thermostat in the winter and increased it in the summer. Um, those are very simple things to do and look for all the appliances that we could shut off. We, we about two years ago, bought an electric car. We're fortunate enough to be able to do that. We needed a new car, and so that's huge. Uh, we've upgraded our solar system, so it's 100% of our electrical needs. Again, these are some of those things people can't afford to do, but we're, we're, we've been able to do that. Um, so we've, been, we've gone to complete composting. Um, you know, when you look at the work in Project Drawdown, what you realize is that food is food and food waste is one of the largest sources of carbon. Um, and people think, oh, um, you know, composting is not that important. But if you start multiplying the numbers, that is something an individual can do, is they can move to composting um, their own food scrap in their in their yards and gardens. And, and importantly, probably the other thing that Joyce and I have done as we've gone as much as possible to become, you know, vegetarians. We had been that years and years ago, but now it's just a renewed interest because of, you know, that has impact, uh, obviously, on uh, raising beef and the impact that that has on land and carbon use and the effect on, the negative impact, impacts on soil regeneration but it also has huge impacts, ideally, on the ocean. And uh, I know John Nazaro is going to be on in, in one of these next episodes, and he's going to talk about the impact of plastics, for example, in the oceans. And uh, one of the uh, largest sources of the plastics in the ocean, it's the over 50% is from fishing nets. And, you know, that... so. Reducing our reliance on fish caught in industrial ways. I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't eat fish at all, but there's some great local sources where it's done in sustainable ways. Um, so those are some of the things that Joyce and I have been doing and easy things. Um, the other thing that I have done personally, a couple of things, and then we'll find out what you're doing. Um, I completely redid my website, which was a professional website, and it is um, oriented towards regenerative leadership. And specifically, it has great listings of simple things that people can do. It has great other documentaries, ways of for so people can educate themselves easily about the issues without getting overwhelmed about the complexities of climate change and global warming. And so that's, that's uh, been a huge emphasis that I've placed and I've been writing articles, um, sending it out to people in the business community from around the world. And I've gotten involved in some business communities around the world through zoom where it's amazing. People are, uh, talking about what they're doing in their corporations. Uh, the, image, the image that I get is that corporations, you know, traditionally we thought they're the problem. I don't think they're the problem any longer. I think many corporations are responding very, very effectively and very rapidly, not only to social issues, but to climate change issues. I'm learning that and I'm helping support those those people through Zoom calls. Um, again, it's about the conversation. And so I'm meeting CEOs and climate scientists from around the world, informing these communities. And they're all telling me that the most effective action that we can take is small conversation groups. 
one-on-one small group conversations where people where you build the relationships and people can find their own ways to do to take action so i probably said a little bit too much there for you margo but those are some of the things that i've been involved in and obviously you've been involved in the elders climate action group and by extension the local group what are some of the things that you started doing um when you first got started like for listeners that you know they're aware of the issue um but they don't know what to do what were some of your first steps well thanks for asking that steve you know i think some of the beginning stuff was just to educate myself mm-hmm. to learn more about uh climate change and to understand it so that i could have a not as a, a scientific serious scientific conversation but i could um have a conversation with other people and because i think as you said the most important thing and the first thing to do is to start talking about climate change and your concern about it with other people whether it's when you're taking a walk with a friend or in, you uh come upon a neighbor working in their garden and you stop to chat or with your family members wherever you can in your work setting to just bring it up and i think that's happening more and more especially in our community because we're one of those uh really at risk communities here in mendocino county with all the wildfires and this year the terrible drought that we're in so i think the awareness is growing um and um you know i've like you and joyce have had a mostly plant based diet but i've increased that i feel so fortunate that here in mendocino county it's easy to have access to good um food that but the farmers markets friends gardens that are overflowing and they're trying to find people to take it um people who donate from their gardens to plowshares and the food bank and i know that if you have an ebt card and you go to the farmers market in ukaya that you get a match so let's take your say you're going to spend $15 of it your ebt card but you get $15 worth of tokens to spend as well so you can double um what uh resources you have to spend at the farmers market and that really makes it much more affordable for people um you know we do not have an electric car yet but we you know we kept our old car for cars for 20 years um because they got really good mileage better than any new car would get and um when we moved into town we got rid of one of those cars and now we only have one car so um that's another way that we have been simplifying and living in town i'm able to walk and hardly ever drive now um mm-hmm. which has really been great of course here in a rural county many people can't do that because the only way you can get anywhere is to get in your car so you know i'm hoping that with the national and state leadership and funding that there will be uh a huge array of fast charging electric uh charging stations that can be used on any vehicle throughout the county and that um there will be plug-ins for people in apartment buildings any new housing that gets built would have that infrastructure built in because we know that that's the wave of the future that in 2035 California will no longer sell any new cars unless they are electric vehicles so we really you know um we'll need to have the infrastructure to support that and you know not everybody can afford to get a new car or to get uh an electric car so and not everybody as you said can afford to put solar on their rooftops so you know we we're really going i'm hoping that there will be uh you know certainly as part of uh the infrastructure bill that's being proposed at the national level the beginnings of funding uh for those kinds of projects yeah i think um in california it, it, that there's i believe this is accurate i hope i'm getting close in the in the gov- governor newsom's budget is 1 billion dollars for climate change work and they're just starting to work on 
how how specifically they want to allocate and spend that money. And I'm hopeful, you know, you'd mentioned this work with the Board of Supervisors. Who knows? Some of that money could easily be funneled down to counties, probably will be, and maybe would fund some of these efforts through your work and through the Board of Supervisors' work countywide or regionally. Um, I, I'm also aware of, so that's, that's a huge opportunity that's, that's right there. I know you know of some other statewide uh, initiatives and le- pieces of legislation. I'm also want to put in a plug for uh, Citizens Climate Lobby, which you're very familiar with, and their work at the federal level um, to get this carbon tax legislation passed. And I think it would it'd have a great impact on not necessarily penalizing industries, but encouraging them to move as rapidly as possible to, you know, zero, producing zero carbon because uh, we need to get there like really fast. I mean, the urgency, I'm very hopeful, but I think one of the messages that anybody that's doing any reading about this topic is the urgency. We have very few years left to make big impacts. Yeah. So that's, why we, that's why we need everybody. Yeah, you know, Steve, um, Oh, I, I just want to mention again that you're listening to the Ecology Hour, and uh, Steve and I are here having a conversation about climate change action. And this is KZYX and Z. Um, you, you mentioned to me that you found a lot of helpful ideas of things, simple things that people can do on the Elders Climate Action website. So I want to just mention that website. It's eldersclimateaction.org. And you can join it for free. You won't get inundated with a lot of emails or fundraising requests. And um, you can find out about um, actions that you can take, letter writing campaigns, phoning campaigns, information about uh, divestment of uh, if you have investments, and simple actions that you can just take at home. Um, some of the things like you mentioned, Steve. So um, because everybody's at a different point for some people who are just beginning this, the idea of, oh, when I have to replace a light bulb, I'm going to buy an LED bulb instead now, especially as the price of them has gone down. That's a simple, one simple thing that someone can do. Or I'm going to get a reusable water bottle. Um, right. I'm going to get a, a cheap, an inexpensive water filter system if I want filtered water. So there, there are ways that people can take action, even if they don't have a lot of money. You know, at the state level, as you were mentioning, there are a few bills that there's a lot happening at the state level. But there's just a few bills I thought I would mention. One... Um, So I'm particularly interested in making sure that uh, legislation that happens is focused on climate equity and justice. I'm the point person for that with Elders Climate Action these days. So at the state level, there's a bill AB906 that would provide critical relief from fees um, so that independent truckers can switch to zero emission heavy trucks and medium delivery trucks. Um, those are huge impact and huge spewers of greenhouse gas emissions. And also SB 372 would provide critical financial assistance so that those truckers could switch to zero emission heavy trucks. Um, because they're going to need help. And we, you know, there are quite a few people in this county who make their living as long haul truckers. So, and I think of all, all the logging trucks that drive around our county. So there's going to need to be some help for those people. And those are two possibilities. AB 33 would expand electric vehicle charging stations, energy storage equipment, and energy efficiency. And then tying in with the whole focus on plastics, SB 54 would ban any single-use plastic container unless it is compostable or recyclable starting in 2033. Now, I had a long conversation the other day with Sean O'Rourke from Cold Creek Composting. And, um, you know, I know at Ukiah Paper Supply, you can buy various utensils and cups and containers that say they're compostable and some takeout you'd mentioned to me sometimes you get takeout and it says on the container compostable well the problem is that those cannot go into your green waste bin 
because Cold Creek Compost, who gets materials from all over Mendocino County and also from Sonoma County, is um, regulated through the um, National Organic Program. This is a federal program, which means that the compost they create can be used by certified organic farmers. And um, because those compostable containers, there isn't, you know, there's lots of containers that are not compostable. Most stuff is not compostable or, or bio bags or whatever. And what would, it's not uh, workable for the people at that facility or at any of these kinds of facility, composting facilities to sort through every container that comes through and look at it and read it and figure out, is this compostable or not? Now, if everything is compostable, then at that point, maybe it will change. But the standards, the, the, the National Organic Program standards um, require that they do not compost those. So those federal standards are going to have to change in order for that to move forward on any local level. Well, there would be a great project for all of us to take on um, both at the local, state, and federal level because, um, you know, I think the I, as a consumer, when I was looking at all of these things, and, and it's such a joke that people, that you have these recycling marks on containers. And the reality is I think only 10% of that stuff is truly recyclable. Right, right. And then it says compostable, you know, and I was thinking as we discussed off air, wouldn't it be great if we could encourage local restaurants to use only those compostable materials for their takeout? Well, yeah. we're not there yet, as you're saying. Right. They, we can encourage that, but they cannot go in those green waste yeah. bins. So, um, but, you know, there's also, you know, there's so much, so many people in this county who are doing amazing things. And one of them is Heather Gorvera, who's on, uh, the coast here, and she has a group called Zero Waste Mendocino, Zero Waste Mendo, and their website is zerowastemendo.com. She did a presentation that Climate Action Mendocino sponsored maybe a year and a half or so ago here in Ukiah at the Grace Hudson Community Room, mm-hmm. and um, so she's got lots of ideas about ways that people can change their lifestyle and create much less waste so that's that's another option for people um and you know sean o'rourke pointed out to me that just like in drawdown it talks about food waste is one of the top 10 uh contributors to climate change globally and that um the simplest thing everyone can do is to compost their food waste and in our green bins you can put in a paper bag you can't put it in a plastic bag in there, and you may not want to just dump your loose food waste in your big green bin. But you just stick it in a paper bag. You can put meat and bones and fish and vegetables, mm-hmm. all of that, into a bag, and it goes there and it gets composted. And that is a huge way that people can contribute to making a difference. Um, if you want to know more about legislation that is um, kind of happening at the state level, a good resource is the Elders Climate Action NorCal group chapter. And if you go to the Elders Climate Action website, then you can find the contact for that chapter right there. And you can connect with them and get on their email list and they'll keep you informed about They've got a group of volunteers now who are looking at legislation on the state level and what to really push for and support. We should probably remind people that uh, we're on Ecology Hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> y, X, and Z, and we're very grateful for this opportunity. Yeah, and we want to leave some time for people to call in with me. Yeah. I'm going to be live taking some call-ins and i and hopefully some of the people who are doing some incredible things in this county are also going to call in and share more information um so i'm wondering if we want to um i'm just thinking if there was anything else i wanted to mention about on the national level well on the national level of course there's the 
there's finally we have an administration that believes in climate change and that is making it front and center for all that work that moves forward. Of course, what's being proposed is perhaps more than Congress will pass and is less than what many people hope for. There is, um, if you go to a Green New Deal um, pro- a Green New Deal project online, um, they, you can find out about the Thrive Act. And this is uh, something that's going to be introduced this month by uh, a slew of uh, senators and representatives, including Senator Ed Markey, Representative Debbie Dingell, and Representative Ilhan Omar, and a, and a whole slew of others that would call for even more um, being invested and in stronger action at the federal level. Well, I think what you're, what you're pointing out is something uh, I kind of neglected to add in, and I'll put it in maybe as my last remark is um, it's important that uh, there's a guy, Will Grant from Project Drawdown, and he talked about these four, these four levels of change and his videos on my website, and people can check that out. That's steveswyback.com. But he talks about the levels of action that people can take so they can take individual actions, and we did share a lot about what we're doing and what people can do. And then his second level is about family. And I know Joyce and I started as a Zoom group, it sounds funny, but with our family. And we talk about uh, carbon reduction and we have a, a goal as a whole family about reducing. And so one of the things we all did is we uh, took our carbon footprint as a very first thing to start with. And the carbon footprint, you can, there's several of them. I use the one from EPA, it's, but you, it's on my website. For a different carbon footprint but you'd be shocked to see how you do and then it gives you very specific actions that you can take as an individual to impact and reduce your carbon footprint but so there's we're, so we're doing that as a family and then there's the third level of that will grant talks about is kind of local community and that's we've been talking a little bit about that and it would be wonderful for a lot of our listeners to get more involved with things you're already doing. We don't need more groups. We need people to get involved in those groups that already exist and and roll up their sleeves and get to work. And then, of course, we've also talked a little bit, kind of in summary, about what's happening at a national level. And there's simple things. I know through Elders Climate Action, through Citizens Climate Lobby, they make it so easy for you to contact your representatives and to let them know what they can do specifically in positive ways to um, to continue the work at a federal level. And I think, you know, as my last thing, with the two areas that I would focus on now is one-on-ones with people or small groups, the lay people, build action and hopefulness, and also a change in ways we think about not just not just the climate, but all 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 issues connect to this climate change issue. It's hard not to connect everything to it, and uh, so it's a change. So I think it's a change in thinking, and it's going to be an evolution, or perhaps a revolution, around economic ways of thinking as we move forward as a whole planet. Uh, the planet itself, if we just leave it alone, it'll come back. It's we have been the problem. You know, we keep trying to do things well intended, but when we look back and say, like in agriculture, the impacts of industrial agriculture were positive, but now we're seeing the the negative impacts that have occurred. So I'm super hopeful. I'm d- delighted to have been have, have this opportunity to have this conversation with you, Margo, and and thank you for all that you're doing. And, uh, and I'll look forward, I'm sure the callers are looking forward to asking you questions and sharing what they're doing. Yeah, it's been great talking with you, Steve. I feel like I could, we could keep going for another hour just chatting here, and, yeah. uh, but we're not going to do that. I just want to mention that um, one thing with, that was hopeful news is that 
BlackRock investment, terrible, you know, fossil fuel supporting investment company, internally has done research looking at whether divestment from fossil fuels affected the returns on investments. And it turns out it does not. Now, there is still incredible pressure being put on uh, insurance companies, Mutual of Omaha, other uh, Morgan Stanley, Chase Bank, Morgan Stanley, who are funding pipelines and fossil fuel extraction. Stop the Money Pipeline is a great organization that organizes all kinds of things that you can, letter writing campaigns and things that you can do, and you can find them online. I just have a couple quotes that I thought I'd share at the end, a few inspiring words. So one is from uh, the book Act of Hope by Joanna Macy and Chris Johnstone. And they say, when we become aware of an emergency and rise to the occasion, something powerful gets switched on inside us. We activate our sense of purpose and discover strengths we didn't even know we had. Being able to make a difference is powerfully enlivening. It makes our lives feel more worthwhile. I've certainly found that to be true. And then my one other quote is from Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She says, ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that, with is, in, that is within our reach. I think it's easy with the sense of urgency to, to, for me, I know, to fall into, oh, it's all up to me. I've got to solve this whole problem. But, of course, we're doing it all together. And, and we build community and strengthen our resiliency as a community when we do this together. So I hope people will tune in to uh, hear John Azaro and Mary Crowley on the 27th of this month, Ecology Hour. And then um, on May 18th, the four artists that are going to be part of the June show uh, at the Corner Gallery will be on a panel. And we just found out that in June, if things day at the right level here in Mendocino County and in Ukiah that there will be a first Friday on the first Friday in June for the opening of that show at the Corner Gallery and we hope people will come by uh, during the month of June and see that beautiful artwork. So thank you to everyone for listening. It's been great talking to you, Steve. And uh, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Okay. Okay. Thank you. This is the Ecology Hour on KZYX and Z, and I'm Margot Frank, your host for the this evening. And uh, we just completed the pre-recorded conversation I had with Steve Zweiback, and I think we have some callers. So let's take the first call. Hi, this is no, it's uh oh, they they disappeared. Okay, well we'll wait for the next caller and see who who calls in. Here comes somebody else. Okay. Hi, this is KZYX and Z, the Ecology Hour. This is Margo. Who's this? Hi there. Thank you guys so much for the show. It's wonderful. Glad um, you're and for all the work it. you're doing. Um, I wanted to share. Um, there's a study by University of Michigan that shows that the average carbon footprint of the American diet is around 4,000 to 8,000 pounds per person of carbon that we emit into the atmosphere each year. So by growing a garden, um, and if you grew half of your food, you could cut that in half and preserve um, all that carbon in the ground where it belongs. Um, there's a couple interesting side effects of gardening. Uh, you get healthy exercise, uh, healthy food, lowers violence in communities, uh, decreases stress and helps with PTSD, um, and you get to grow an ecosystem around you that you can connect to and feel a part of a living universe, which is healing in itself and perhaps one of the best um, antidotes to uh, climate change, which is human-driven, where we're separating ourselves from nature. So I just want to share that there's models out there that we can do where if you garden in a very particular way, uh, which is fun and life-affirming, uh, you can use less than 2% of the water and 2% of the land to grow a complete diet. And if you do the math, you can support 10 billion people and conserve over 90% of our current farmland into ecosystems if everyone grew a garden that way. Uh, it would only take 45 minutes a day 
and um, it's very fun and very engaging and very enriching. So I just want to share that um, one of the things that you can do that's perhaps one of the most powerful things and one of the most fun things and healthy things is to grow a garden. Um, so thank you Thanks very much so for the opportunity for, to share that. Thanks so much for that suggestion. This is the time of year to get your plants, maybe from the college plant sale online this year. I want to remind you, if you want to call in, the number is 707 895 2448. And, you know, if you're putting in a garden and because of the drought, we have water restrictions this year, but you can uh, put in a drip system for your for watering your garden. We have another call. Hi, this is the Ecology Hour on KZYX and Z. This is Margo. Who's calling? Hi, Margo. It's Gizmo. Hi. I just wanted to, because um, we are trying to change thinking here. I know we, I know you were, we were talking about vehicles at the beginning of the show, and um, I think we kind of went over the part about the bus. Because, like, yeah, if you reduce your car and stuff like that, that's all great. But we do have a rural area, but we also do have MTA. So I wanted to bring that up, that a bus and a public transit mall a bus can get up to, I believe, 40 vehicles off of the road. So I just wanted to, um, you know, not forget that we do have the MTA. We do have a bus system. And um, I think if we were able to bolster that, it would be really helpful in uh, working towards zero emissions as far as our climate goes. I also wanted to mention that we are one of only a few counties in California that does not have a public transit mall. And so I was just wondering if um, you knew anything about if that is something that may be on the table in the future. Um, it also builds economic resilience, having a public transit mall, and brings a lot of money um, into the county from uh, other areas. And um, it just allows older folks to get around easier. And so I was hoping maybe if you could comment or speak on that. Um, But, yeah, I definitely wanted to give a shout-out about the MTA. Our system is really good. Our bus drivers are friendly, and um, the routes are safe. And so a challenge may be, even if you have a car, try a trip on the bus to the coast this summer, just one, and see what it's like. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, I remember when MTA first started uh, back in the late 70s and how exciting that was in this sense of, oh, it's going to be possible to take a bus even if you live way out in in the boonies in this county. And um, that hasn't turned out to be quite the case, but I would encourage you to uh, speak about that to the Board of Supervisors. If anyone from the Climate Advisory Committee is listening, that's a great topic and maybe they can uh, propose that and advocate for that. We have another caller. Hi, this is the Ecolo- this is the Ecology Hour on KZYX and Z. This is Margo, and I'm uh, happy to hear what you have to say. Hi, Margo, it's Susan in Ukiah. Hi, so, Susan. Uh, thank you for that very inspiring interview. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned plastics because plastics have been on my mind like they are a lot of the time, but particularly um, I wanted to mention there are so many issues to talk about, but one issue in particular, there's federal legislation that was just introduced called the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, and it was introduced by Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon and Representative um, Alan Lowenthal of Southern California. And it has, it actually was just reintroduced about three weeks ago. The, the language is even stronger. And I, um, I just wanted to mention a few of the provisions that are really exciting that, um, it's to launch a nationwide beverage container refund program to bolster recycling rates. It would ban certain single use plastic products that are currently not recyclable. It would um, channel massive investments in U.S. domestic recycling and composting infrastructure. Um, Particularly significant, it would prohibit plastic waste from being shipped to developing countries. And um, 
establish a temporary pause on permitting new and expanded plastic production facilities. So it currently has um, 86 co-sponsors in the House, uh, including our own Jared Huffman. It has 10 co-sponsors in the Senate, including Dianne Feinstein. I don't know uh, what our new senator has thought about it yet. And um, predictably, it has uh, incredible opposition from the plastic and chemical industry. So if um, any of your listeners would like to call our new senator, Alex Padilla, to ask him to co-sponsor, and it looks like um, it would be subject to the um, the 60%, the, um, I'm blanking out what is it called, the, the filibuster, so we would need 10 Republicans, which is unlikely, but um, it's there, and um, hopefully it has a chance, and with some lobbying, it might uh, really save us. Thank you so much, Susan. That's great. I had heard about that, and that's great to know about. And as a member of the climate, Mendocino County Climate Advisory Committee, I don't know if you heard the caller before you, that was someone advocating for a, um, a transit mall in Mendocino County. We're one of the few counties in the state that doesn't have one, and to really bolster our public transit here. We have another caller, so we're going to go to our next call. Hi. This is the Ecology Hour. This is Margot Frank. Welcome. Who's calling? Oh. Hi. This is the Ecology Hour. This is Margot Frank, and I'm curious to hear who's calling. No? Nobody's there. <laughs> I'm there. I'm here. Oh, you're here. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm not on the air, am I? Yes, you are. Hey, I can hear me now. I'll turn my, my um, radio off. Good. Thank you for turning off your radio. That works better. Okay. Um, I, I feel like my life is ruled by plastic. Uh, the majority of products I buy are enclosed in plastics, whether it's clothing or food or um, automobile products. It's, it's my life, and I... I'm inundated with plastic, and I can't stand it, and I'd sure like some guidance. Well, you're right. You can buy almost nothing anymore that is not packaged in plastic. Yes. And um, it's a huge problem. I don't know if you heard the caller just before you, but uh, Susan, who's sure who's part of the uh, Medicine County Climate Advisory Committee, called in to share information about um, a bill at the federal level called the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act. And you might want to look that up. Huffman is one of the co-sponsors of it, is this Feinstein. And uh, read about that and see what you can do to help um, build support for that legislation because that would really make a huge difference in uh, the plastic pollution that we can't seem to escape. Okay. So, um, um. Yeah, and, and if... Uh, you're a creative person. You might enjoy the Reclaimed show at, in June at the Corner Gallery in Ukiah, where you can see artwork that uh, is being created out of plastic waste, much of it. So um, <laughs> okay. that's, that's another that's thing to do with your plastics. Not that creative. I want to get rid with of them. having okay. to use We only have a plastic, few minutes but... left. Um, okay. So I'll let you go. Okay. Thanks for calling. Do we have another caller? Okay, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for, for listening tonight to the Ecology Hour. We hope you'll listen again next Tuesday, the 27th, to John Zaro and Mary Crowley talking about the plastic gyre in the Pacific Ocean. And that uh, on May 18th, you will listen to the uh, four artists who are going to be part of the Reclaimed Art Show at the Corner Gallery in June. And... Um, if you want to get in touch with Climate Action Mendocino, you can email climateactionmendocino at gmail.com. Come to the opening of the Reclaimed Art Show on June 4th, the first Friday in June. And if you want to check out the Elders Climate Action website and all the resources there, go to eldersclimateaction.org. And I'll just mention Steve, who was in conversation with me earlier. His website is Steve, S-T-E-V-E. Z-U-I-E-B-A-C-K dot com. Thank you so much for listening to the Ecology Hour tonight. And uh, we're going to 
send you off to the next show. Thanks for, for listening. All my relations come. Every nation come. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. We are the river. Come.